You're listening to Cine Binge. Welcome to Cine Binge. This show was born from my friend's persistence in me watching certain shows. I've been asking Simon to watch Dark, a German TV show on Netflix, which I guarantee he will like. But for some reason, he's always been a little apprehensive about watching it. So I said, I'll watch it if we can put a podcast around it. And this is that podcast. Welcome to the Sydney Binge podcast. My name's Simon. And my name's Andrew. We're going to talk about the latest episode of Dark, which was called... Double Lives. So I watched Double Lives today. Andrew, how many times have you seen Double Lives? It's getting up probably about six times now. Now, you said in the last episode, this is the episode that I don't think you're going to enjoy. No, 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 no. no. Episode two was the one I thought was the one that dragged a little more. This one isn't too bad, but it's not as as good. I don't think it's as good as episode three. Briefly, what did you like about episode three? Now that we've spoke about it at length, what did you enjoy most of it? I think it was just the nostalgia aspects of episode three. Episodes one, two and four have always felt a bit too... Uh, and I said this in, I think, uh, in episode two when we were discussing that, that it felt a bit too police detective show, trying to identify who the murderer was. It's all procedural. And I felt that four was a bit similar to two in that respect, in the way it kind of focuses on particular individuals and and kind of bangs you over the head going, you know, this is the bad guy, this is the bad guy. And t- episode three was a step away from that. It was a, a change of of pace we were obviously focusing on the 1980s at that point in episode three. And I, I think that's probably why of the first four episodes, I would say episode three is the one I enjoy more out of that four. Um, but episode four on its own isn't too bad. That's interesting because you like the nostalgic side of things and that was kind of where it all got going. And I remember you saying to me, if you get past this episode, I think you'll be you'll be in. Not not. That episode hasn't come yet. Oh, hasn't it? No. What episode is that? Is that like episode 20 oh, or something? I'm not going to tell you which episode it is because then you'll okay. be expecting... Greatness. More. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's that. I just think episode three was the one I thought you would be... You would enjoy out of the four. Episode some other number is the episode that I think you will be hooked. And okay. at that point... The, the, from there on, I think we don't even have to ask the question, did you enjoy it? Because I think you'll just enjoy every episode after that. Interesting. So what about this episode then? Did you enjoy it? I did, actually. It was interesting. I like how it's not using the same formula and same format for every episode. Like the episode before, I felt the pre-titles was a lot longer than this one. Like this one, it was just like... It was a bit like a horror movie. We went back to that room, that bright blue room. We had some images of kind of Satanist stuff, which we spoke about in the last episode, which I was like, oh no, this is going to be scary. And then there was a quote and it was uh, it said something like, uh, what if everything in the past was influenced by the future? Then, yeah, they had the old guy and then he was he was saying TikTok he had a watch and then you know the episode just like begun and it kind of like took me back a little bit because i was used to seeing an episode where it's got like quite a maybe a five minute pre-titles to it but this as i say it was just like bang like right into it so i enjoyed that yeah it's interesting that you you mentioned the scary opening really because 
given that we were talking about hell last episode with your theory, and I mentioned, um, I, I think I called the cave the hell's mouth, and then you said, oh, um, hell's gate. But the actual words hell's mouth was used in that opening sequence. Whether that was something that I'd sort of remembered unconsciously, but that wasn't what I was referring to when I mentioned Hell's Mouth in the last episode. Are you sure? <laughs> because it, that's just that's too much of a um, of a of a coincidence, and or maybe you were just trying to set me down the wrong path. Like that's what I think you might do with this. If I get close to knowing what's going on, you might send me down an entire different path. Certainly as part of our conversations and your theories, I because I can't just go, oh yeah, bang on, you know, you're spot on there. That's exactly what's <laughs> happening. I am deliberately going to be throwing in random questions that I know have no relevance to the show. But I just want to make you think that a little bit harder about what you're seeing. It makes it more fun for me, knowing that you're 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 second guessing things. Yeah, knowing that I'm struggling and like I'm scared to go on social media in case it's spoilt for me. So, um, you know, it's it, I, I am enjoying it because for the first time in a long time, I'm actually watching a show. It's like when, you know, when you watch TV shows like back in the day and you couldn't watch them all like straight away because we're doing this podcast and we're doing it like routinely. So it's like, you know, one a week. And um, I like that because otherwise, you know, I think the risk of wanting to binge it obviously goes away because I like this time where I can be discovering and having my own ideas going, I wonder if this, this, if it's this, or I wonder who that is connected to there and making my own predictions. Whereas if you watch it straight away, you like you binge it, then you find out those answers like far too quickly. I did the same with stranger things. And I think it makes a, a much more enjoyable experience where you have time to think about it the short version of the answer to that question is yeah i enjoyed this episode uh i think i enjoyed this episode the most if i'm honest with you that's interesting so what did you uh, enjoy most about this episode then i think it might be because i'm getting more familiar with the characters like i know the names now things are starting to make a little sense even if it's tiny little details like literally a character's name and i can you know if you say to me jonas i go right i know who that is or all i know who that is there's still a lot of characters i'm not sure about who they are they are still introducing characters even in this episode as well aren't they so yeah uh, you you although you're settling down with some of the earlier characters that you've met there's there's now space to throw in another character just to keep you on your toes. Let me turn this around to you. What do you think this episode was about? Like, in summary, what would you say this episode was about? Or what did we learn in this episode? Well, I think it's tied to the title and Francisca's rant around people leading double lives. This was very much focused on the Doppler family, this episode, with Peter going to meet his father, uh, who was obviously in the care home, saying TikTok, TikTok. Clearly, this uh, and, and he keeps popping off and disappearing. So he's he, you could kind of say that he's got some sort of secret double life going on there. You've got Peter himself, who's acting suspicious, seems to be having extramarital affairs at some point in the past, and maybe still is now. So there's a double life going on there. Uh, you also have just the very sort of fact that you've got this family acting like a, a loving, strong family unit that are all together. And yet 
when you see them sort of personally, they're obviously having marital difficulties. You've got the sisters not getting on, one slapping the other one in the face, stealing the uh, lipstick and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's really, for me, what this show was about. It was kind of, it felt very much like family drama, police drama, another kid's going missing. It wasn't the sci-fi mystery show that I was wanting it to be at that point so the actual overall like the main big story that's going on in the whole of the show what what is the sort of plot development that's that you think is the most important one there's two parts isn't there there's the introduction of elizabeth we believe that she's another kid that's about to go missing that then turns out to be not the case because she arrives home later in the in the show bearing a gift of a pocket watch and did that surprise uh, you well it did yeah i mean that's did you think she'd gone missing like i thought this is what the show is like more kids are just going to go missing and i was convinced she was gone yeah, I think that's that's what the show was kind of leading you to believe. Although in hindsight now, when you think about it, given that she had kind of been nowhere to be seen in the first three episodes, then turns up at the beginning of this one and then disappears, thinking back, you would think, yeah, that's just rubbish, isn't it? You know, you throw a kid in there and then they immediately disappear. But yeah, no, I think that was, that was a bit of a twist, I guess. But the biggest thing that came out of this episode really was the the name Noah. What was the little girl's name? Was it Yaz? What, what was her name? So Elizabeth Doppler is the little girl and... A uh, deaf her, girl. Yes, and her friend is Yasin. When we're introduced, she says, that's my boyfriend. And the mom's like, really? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And it's like really quite a sweet little moment. Like she kisses her mom on the head and runs and you think, oh, she's actually like, she's not a bad kid. You know, she's harmless. She's just a typical kid. And then you you think this other kid, uh, Yazin, you think, well, he's just going to be like not an important character. Like we barely see much about him. We just see like, him say hello and we think, okay, that's, that's fine. And then towards the end of the episode, Mr. Dark, I think it was Mr. Dark. Can you remember what he actually says? To who? To the little boy. So the little boy's like in the forest walking. Ah, uh, yes. The hooded character. And the horror character I call Mr. Dark. I thought it was you need to come and see. Or maybe it was Noah sent me. But Noah feels like how they used to speak about Jacob in, in Lost. Like this <laughs> mysterious. There you go. There you this, go. This is this the- mysterious character. This is this is yeah this is one of those things where I was kind of going yeah this is a little bit lost like isn't it at this point uh, and now and there you go you are starting to come around to the idea that there are some elements of this show that are a little lost like yeah well only because there's a character that has been mentioned and he sounds like he's got some sort of authority or whoever this this Noah is sounds like they're important i think it helps that they're biblical names aren't they both jacob in the original show in lost and and now we have noah who's a biblical figure as well so maybe it's that 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 links them as well in that sense that they feel important in some way well we hear noah's name mentioned in three scenes we hear elizabeth mention that she's met a man called noah who's given her a pocket watch which was really interesting because she said to her mum that Noah had told her that this watch had belonged to Charlotte Doppler. And obviously when she opens the pocket watch, it says for Charlotte on it. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting um, revelation already. Uh, so that's the first mention of Noah. Then you also have Helga in the care home talking to, I think, the nurse 
and saying to her that he has to stop Noah. Uh, so that's another reference. And then there's obviously the guy in the hood who you call Mr. Dark, who is telling Yasin that, that Noah sent him. So Noah's come out of nowhere in this episode. And I think that's probably the biggest mystery, I guess, that comes out of this episode is, wow, hang on a minute, who's Noah? Yeah, and I think that's where I did enjoy this a bit more. Like the previous episode, there was a lot of different threads going on, whereas this, there wasn't as much going on. It might be because it was set in present time because I was used to Oh, sorry. I was getting used to being in that time before we went back in time in yeah. the uh, in, in the other episode. The instance with yeah with the watch and it's engraved as well. And sh- did she recognize it? Did she know that she had it? I don't think she'd ever seen it before. Uh, yeah, she looked like it was new to her, which was the, which made it even more precarious. Hmm. There was a point where the map or the diagrams, whatever he's got, there was a character writing on it. Was that the same map? that Jonas has had or was that a different map because it was the, the, again where is the crossing um and that seemed to be leading to something Jonas wasn't in this episode that much though no I mean apart from visiting the cave I think that was pretty much it for him as I say this show didn't really focus too much on him in this episode it was more the Doppler family and I guess to some extent the the Nielsen family as well with Magnus following Francisca and kind of the interesting dynamics between Katerina and Ulrich sending him off on a, on a mission to try and find or to try and get into the power plant as well. That's right. And it was interesting as well about there's a red soil and I feel this has got like an important relevance to it because we had one of the, the most the like horriblest autopsies. I mean, I thought the, the sheep one was bad, but then we have this autopsy with more dead birds and I mean, it wasn't like bloody or anything, but it just felt so realistic. And she's like, let's see how this bird died. And I'm like, Let, let's not. And there was some new information came out about how the bird died. And they said the white spots on the feathers, there was some relevance in that to do with Chernobyl. But what else was going on with how the bird died? So the birds had had uh, burst eardrums as well, similar to the state of the sheep and that the birds had probably died because from just basically hitting the floor, I guess. But they, the reason that for that is that they had probably fallen out of the sky because of the electromagnetic fields interfering with their ability to sort of fly, really. Ah, so they weren't like burnt or frazzled. They were, they died because they couldn't, they had basically they stopped flying, like their brain kind of stopped or something. Yeah, it basically affected their sensory system. So that that then caused them to just plummet to the ground. And that, that's pretty much what killed them because they just, you know, probably span out of control. They didn't know where they were going. So yeah, that plus the burst eardrums, which I guess wouldn't have been caused by the, the fall itself. I think that was probably occurring at the same time as the electromagnetic pulses or whatever it is that, that was hitting them, electromagnetic fields that was interfering with them it's it's kind of i mean the biggest thing for me that makes that interesting is why is it just the birds that get affected or why is it just animals like sheep and birds that are affected by that sort of stuff why not the rest of the humans in that area that's a good question and i don't know the answer Mm. you do i like the detective element in the episode and i liked how you know 
she was going to different places and she got the the footage from like i think with like a animal camera or something what was that camera it was, yeah it was, a, it was a wildlife camera it was recording yeah, wildlife, wildlife camera yeah yeah so she sees that registration plate and then uh there's this part where she goes and visits a uh, a prostitute and uh she's like when did he i didn't quite get the questions she was asking him but uh the prostitute basically said well uh, he's not been here for a year or something. And then she like, she got upset. Mm. Um, um, and the daughter, her daughter then was talking to, what's the blonde kid's name? Magnus. So Magnus. So she was talking to Magnus about the, was she talking to Magnus about the family issues? Like saying that the, her mum and dad live in like the same house, but they have separate lives. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She was, yeah. Uh, she was basically saying that she was fed up with Wyndon and her family because everyone's lying. She was calling them out and saying, but they all they're playing the happy families, but they're not because of all this stuff going on in the background. They, they live in separate rooms. It turns out it's, her dad is, uh, apparently gay and the mum found out about this a year ago so yeah there's a lot going on in that family that isn't particularly known by sounds of it to the the town and francisca's had enough of it the daughter she's got a stack load of cash where did she get that cash from you know i can't remember i'm not actually sure if we ever find out magnus says you know you're drug dealing or or something like that doesn't she she say she's she wants to get away yeah, and that he, and he and basically because of all what's going on in that town, and then well they ended up sleeping with each other, don't they? Yes. Um, like, and I thought at that point when he's in the he's he's watching her like do ballerina or something or some gymnastics, I think it is, and then uh yeah he confronts her in like the change rooms, and I just thought oh god is this gonna be like is this gonna be horrible? And it turns out like they quite like each other a lot um a lot. And then, so it's interesting, those two characters, and I feel like those two characters are going to be perhaps teaming up to figure out part of what's going on, perhaps. Yeah, I I suppose so. Like one half of um, (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Well, he does look like Shaggy. (laughs) All they need is a dog now, and they'll be set. Not in this place. The dog will end up with... Either no eyes or burst eardrums. But yeah, I mean, they, they really set Peter up in this episode, don't they? I mean, in so many different ways. They t- he's gone from being a, what who appears to be a nice guy, you know, psych- psychiatrist in the local town, probably quite respected and seems to be a good fa- family figure, role model and good father and a husband. And then this episode, it just crumbles. You know, everything we now learn about him, obviously he was, he was acting suspicious in early episodes. You kind of just, you assume that he isn't the bad guy that they're painting him out to be. And then this episode just throws it on in 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 droves. You know, you've got the, the moment where he opens his car door and he realises that there's something on the mat in his car. So he takes that out and starts trying to get dirt off of the mat. The, the Which, conversation- by the way, sorry. Yep. Was it the scientist who was talking about this certain red soil? Mm, yes. And it was this soil isn't around anywhere. Exactly. It's, it's it's foreign, this soil. It's red and it's we don't know where it's from. Wasn't clear from listening to that scene whether they meant that it was not around anywhere in, you know, a hundred miles, or whether it mm. just wasn't around the crime scene. I took it to mean that they were specifically saying that it wasn't 
near the crime scene. And so the body must have been moved at some point. But yeah, which makes him look a lot more suspicious. You know, in the earlier episode, I said he looks like he's remorseful of something. He looks mm-hmm. like he's just done something and he, he feels bad about it. Then I think this prostitute that he's this uh, transsexual prostitute that he's been visiting, I think he might have just visited the prostitute and that's why he's like crying. He's he's regretful that again he's you know, he's cheated on his on his family, perhaps. Well that's it, isn't it? I think that's what they've deliberately set this up to to mean. It could be that he's got something to do with what's been going on with the kids disappearing. But then it could also just be that he was he's involved in some other sort of relationship. Clearly not with this particular prostitute because the prostitute says that he hasn't been back there for a year. She says herself that the uh, he must be getting it from somewhere else. He must be getting what he needs from somewhere else. So, yeah, I think that's kind of planting the seeds of doubt in your mind and kind of going, well, yeah, we know it looks like he's involved with this disappearance, but really it's, not, it's nothing to do with that. He's not a child kidnapper. He's just having an affair. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's tried to give him some possible way out, I guess, of not being a total evil child kidnapper. But it's this soil in his car. And when he spots it as well, he's very quick to clean it. Like with my car, if I see something dirty, then yeah, I want to clean it. I want to get it clean. Hmm. But the way he did it so fast, it was like, yeah, I just need to get rid of some sort of evidence. And he knew what it was. It was the look around, wasn't it? When he spots it, and then kind of looks around the neighbourhood to see if there's anyone near sort of watching. Then he starts to clean this off. And I guess the biggest thing really is that where else did we see that red dirt? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Well, episode one. Uh, no, sorry. Episode two, when Trunty Nielsen rubbing the red stuff off of his sleeve and then putting it in the wash. Ah, OK. Well, I thought that was blood. I didn't think it was soil. Well, maybe it is blood, but it it could also be soil sure. and if it is soil then when i remember when i was saying early on maybe there might be uh more than one person involved in these disappearances again you've got that that's kind of giving you those elements of oh okay this can they must maybe they're connected in some way and you also mentioned in i think it was the first episode uh the guy at the police station who was wore a bandage on his eye mm-hmm. and you're like what now i couldn't remember him at all but when I saw him in this episode. I was like, ah, that's the guy who Andrew was talking about. And I just didn't pick any dodgy vibe from him at all. I thought, I, th- I don't think he's got a big part in this. But then the detective, she was up to something as well. Like she was very secretive about that wildlife footage and she was very secretive about what she'd printed out. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't she know? Like, why would she be hiding this? Uh, maybe she had suspicions before she even picked up that footage because as you say, she probably would have given that off over to somebody else to do the actual sort of scanning through to find possible leads. But it's almost like she knew what she was looking for and she went and mm. looked at this particular footage. Did that happen after the conversation where she asked her husband why he had phoned? Wasn't that in the same conversation when she was like, you need to go and pick up our daughter. I'm going to be, I'm hanging out at this scary looking house. Yeah, so eventually she does ask him, hold on, I think there was two conversations. I think the first one was around whether he had, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. 
because there was a second conversation where she asked him about, um, you know, you made me a promise a year ago. Is there anything you want to tell me? And at that point, that's the one where he goes, oh, you know, better go and get Elizabeth. But I think there might have been an earlier conversation when they were basically just talking about, you know, what time did you, what time did you stay in the office till? Yeah, because she was checking because she obviously knew. Yeah, because didn't he say it was like, I don't want to get my wires crossed, but she figured out, I think it was what time did the kid go missing? What time did he leave his office? And I think that's, is that how she went and got the footage and went right this time, like around this time was when uh, the child went missing and that's when she saw the car. Am I on my way off? No, I think you're right. I think because of the time timeline, she knew roughly when she would be needing to look on that footage. And then once she discovered a car passing through on that footage, that, that kind of made her panic a bit more because she knew whose number plate that was. And that's when Waller turned up and started asking questions. And she clearly didn't want him to know that she had found something because it might be quite compromising. Might, mm. Especially if it turns out to be something quite innocent. I think from her point of view, she still thinks that it's more less likely to be about the kid and more likely just to be about, you know, him him and what he did in the past and is he doing it again? She doesn't think he's connected to these children going missing. This is like a subplot in her mind. Like, I want to see what my husband's been up to. Yeah, I think so. I think there's certainly an element of that. And obviously she eventually just asks him outright, but there's a point where it's it could easily just be about his possible affairs more than anything else again double lives it all starts to make sense and then we come back to the big story again and that's with um mr dot like we the opening to this episode as well i thought oh we're gonna find out more stuff now like it it focused heavily on the image of time and you know what happens in the past basically what happens in the future um, is responsible for what happens in the past. And I thought we were going to find out a little bit more about that aspect of things. Yeah, um, yeah, they kind of, they, they they teased us, I guess, in this episode with that that little quote, because I don't think there's, there was nothing really that kind of suggested that there was anything happening now that is affecting what we've seen in 1986, for example. So we just yeah. see that room again. We just see the the bright blue room at the very, very beginning. And I'm thinking, I want to know what's going on in there. And we also hear a voice. I'm not sure whose voice that is. Do we know whose that voice is at this point, at the very beginning? There's like a scary sort of voiceover. And it might be the same guy who did the voiceover at the very uh, start of the whole series. Yeah, I think it is the same guy who's talking at the very start of the series. Is he just a narrator or has he got a bigger part to play? Both. <laughs> maybe i mean surely that's not considered a spoiler he's a he's the narrator okay i don't know what to believe now in fact you've heard that voice somewhere else in one of the episodes oh don't start doing this now because i want to be like i can't go back and start watch i can't re-watch an episode well i am so you have to now <laughs> no i need to get through it first there's no way i can do that should i put you out of your misery then should i tell you where you've heard that voice in the episodes um, no, actually, leave it. To, let's use this and see if I can figure it out before okay. the next episode we record. I'm not going to go and Google it. I mean, eventually it'll become obvious, but there's uh, you have heard the voice already. I'll, I'll just I'll leave it at that for now. Overall, in this episode, is there anything else you think that's really important to to focus on? 
The only other thing that I thought was quite interesting with this is uh, when Jonas did go to the cave and he was looking around trying to find something, obviously didn't, eventually when he gave up, he returned to his bike and on the handle of his bike was this little red knotted, I wouldn't say necessarily a noose, but it was some sort of red string that was knotted. Did you see that part? I did notice this because... I don't know if they're doing this sort of in a subconscious, like subtle way, but that type of imagery is all over the show from the uh, gymnastics with the twirly things. They go around in a loop and that's shown just after that loop that was put on the bike. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And the more I watch it, the more I'm seeing circles and, and these loops and also a lot of symmetrical shots, a lot of symmetry going on. Like it's only done in a very sort of subtle way, but it's enough for me to go, this is really clever filmmaking and this is deliberate. This is important. I need to be like paying attention to this. Um, did you spot that when you watched it for the sixth time? Like the it, constant sort of imagery of like loops and stuff. I will admit that I didn't notice that sort of stuff on the first pass through, but it became far clearer afterwards. And also, even for example, in this episode, the conversations, the teacher, when he was talking to the class and giving the, the lecture in class, he was he was talking about stuff. And there's some stuff going on in that, that what he's saying that is also quite interesting in terms of I think in when we were first started recording these podcast episodes, I think the very first episode I mentioned that there are lots of themes and literal um, scientific quotes and they like hide things, don't they? They like they put it in. It's like in plain sight. It's like right yeah. in front of you, but unless you know what you're looking for, you'll never see it. Yeah, I think certainly there is an element of that. I think they've it, it's good storytelling in in a way, in, in that they are introducing themes and repeating those themes throughout some are more obvious than others and that's part of the fun of watching and re-watching this show is to then go back and spot those themes and see where they've been repeated early on that you may not have necessarily noticed first time around it's interesting that you didn't notice those loop things but maybe because i'm used to like with my background of being just an absolute movie nerd and studying every single shot on screen David Fincher. He did a commentary for the film The Game. And it's like a film school. Like you could learn more on that commentary than than going to film school. Like this stuff that I learned from that. And he says this every time there's something on screen, the director or the storyteller is saying, Look, this is important. Like if it's a close-up, director is saying, This is important. This is something you have to focus on. But this is where he's such a genius. He would do this and it wouldn't be important because he knew this rule. Since like listening to that, every time I see something on screen in a show like this, I go, right, that's being put in there for a reason. So my brain goes into like overdrive, like trying to figure it out. And I, I reckon going back to the gymnasium twirly thing, that scene happens straight after you see that loop. And I think if you paused the last frame of that loop and then skipped one frame like to the next scene, that loop would be exactly the same size as the ballerina loop. It's interesting. I'll have to check that out and see if you're right. And anyone who's listening to this, you should do that. And if I'm wrong, don't tweet me about it. That would be great. <laughs> tweet Andrew about it. There's one other question I have to ask. English with no subtitles. 
There's two questions I need to ask. You've just answered <laughs> the first one. The Go second on. question is, so one of the things that I mentioned before you started watching this was how great the music was and how the use of music through the montages tend to be really good. They seem mm. the, the right shots, the right music every time. And this episode is no exception, I, I don't think, in terms of picking good music to go with the montage. I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. Do you know, I didn't really notice that as much on this song. I noticed it on the episode three. I thought it was a really, really good song and it just worked really well. The melody was, it, it just fit it perfectly. This one, it, I, you know, I won't, I can't really remember it. If I hear it again, it might, it might sort of resonate with me a bit more, but it didn't really do much for me. And I don't mean it was like, I hated it, but I can't really remember it. Hmm. Okay. That, Did you like it straight away though? Like, well, the first time you heard it, you think that's a damn good song. Yes, definitely. I, I, I've had this season on my. In fact, I think I'd go maybe even go as far as to say that this season, the music from this season, is my favourite season in terms of music. I don't think they put a foot wrong in terms of the selection. Everything mm-hmm. was just, yeah, really nice. Is it the same artist on these montage songs or do they use different ones? They use different ones, although one or two have, by the end of the third season, some will have come back and, and had additional appearances. Yeah, I do like the music in this. I mean, put it this way, you can clearly see that they've spent a lot of money on the music that they're using and even the the score. Remember I said in the, the, one of the early episodes of the podcast, we've only done four, I thought it might be the same person who, who did the uh soundtrack to the joker have you seen the joker yes so can you get why i'm sort of well some of the music it's kind of this droney uh it's not very melodic um and then obviously you've got the the sort of techno track that plays at the credits but apart from that it does i feel like it's very similar to the to joker but yeah they've spent a lot of money on the on the music they haven't just gone like you know audio jungle or something <laughs> um audio jungle now if anyone's in the video business they'll they'll know exactly what i mean when they hear that because basically it's a royalty free website you get loads of music on it and you'd get people downloading these tracks and because they don't want people downloading them illegally they put this little ident in it that goes audio jungle Mm. but it's so annoying when you're trying to find music for a project because you're just playing through and all you can hear is audio jungle so yeah (laughs) right so there's a couple of things to talk about then on this so i can understand why you would think that there's some similarities there in terms of some of the music because the i don't know what it is about icelandic uh, composers but they do tend to have kind of a an interesting sound it's it's an i don't think it's an icelandic sound but it's strange how they do tend to have similarities in how they all sound but saying that the guy who does the music for dark is not icelandic his name's ben foster uh ben sorry his name's ben frost Ben Foster, the goalie. Yeah, Ben Foster. <laughs> I tell you, what, you, you know what? He's a shit goalie, but I tell you what, he makes some great music. He does make some great music. Um, yeah, but there was actually a sample that there was a sound effect in this episode when Charlotte goes to visit the Doppler shack. Do you remember that part in this episode? Yeah, where, yeah. Yep. And then she sort of ventures out and she sees the the, the hatch. I call it a hatch because it reminds me of Lost. 
uh, the little bunker, she opens it up. And that opening of the door is a sound effect that I've heard in a computer game. I can't remember which one it was, but I've definitely heard that sound effect. I think it might have been Day Z. So, really? Is it just uh, like the sound of a creaky door opening? It's like the sound of a metal door opening. And I've heard, definitely heard that sound effect used outside of outside of this show before. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's Daisy. Yeah. Well, I'm so, yeah, sure they have random. like... I'm sure they have like, uh, you know, these sound designers have royalty free, not royalty free, but they have these huge sound libraries. It's like, um, have you heard of the Wilhelm scream? Yes. Yes. That's used everywhere. So that's in like every single Spielberg movie and George Lucas movie. And they use it now, I think for just, uh, as a sort of a nod, like a, as a wink to yeah. them, as like a homage to them. Loads of movies use it. If you don't know what the Wilhelm scream sounds like, it sounds like this. Um, no, I, I think I think you should actually try to recreate the sound yourself. Well, I I'll try and do it if you try and do it. <laughs> you first. Is there anything else from this episode you think I need to um, to be paying attention to? I think you are ready to go on to the next episode, and the next episode is the episode that I think will finally hook you proper. We've had the secrets, we've had the lies, we've had the double lives, now we have truths. I think we're going to find out some more information and that's going to lead to how this show progresses. But it's also very likely that an episode with the title of Truths has none at all. So you're telling me there's no truth in this episode? I don't need to watch it now. <laughs> Or is that a red herring? Well, they did have a red herring in this episode because I thought the little girl was actually lost and then she turns out she's all right, she's found. So thanks very much to Andrew for joining me again on this week's episode of Cine Binge and we will see you at the next one. Boom. Done. Done.